Welcome to the Carl Bart Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Tuttle. And my guest today is Dr. Ashley Coxworth. Dr. Coxworth is the senior, senior lecturer in theology and practice at the University of Roehampton and the author of Carl Bart on Prayer. Dr. Coxworth, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, nice to be here. Yeah, I'm <laughs> glad to have you. I've, uh, I was bummed to, to miss you so recently. I, I, yeah, I think you mentioned it before that. I think we missed each other by a week. You were in Aberdeen and I was flying over, basically. Yeah, that's right. So I had a, I had a great time in Aberdeen um, just before uh, the end of term uh, last year. And, and was, uh, my, my stay in Aberdeen was extended by this great storm um, that <laughs> grounded uh, my flight home. So um, I had a really good trip up to Aberdeen, um, which was um, extended a little bit further by uh, 100 mile an hour winds or something. So <laughs> I felt I got to know uh, Aberdeen and the inside of the Aberdeen airport uh, pretty well over the course of <laughs> my time there, but had a great time um, engaging with uh, Aberdeen theologians uh, who have been an important part of my life actually since the very beginning. Um, I said in the paper when I was giving a paper up there, I think I've probably cited an Aberdeen theologian in every single theology paper that I've ever written. Really? <laughs> so I think that says something about the influence uh, and the um, uh, you know, formative significance of uh, the theology that's come out of Aberdeen uh, on my own intellectual development, um, <laughs> and certainly in the book that we're going to discuss uh, today. Yeah, definitely. And you, you said you knew Paul Nemo and, uh, and, and Tom Greggs through sort of doing your own dis- dissertation, which is this book, right? Yeah, so uh, Tom was the external examiner um, to the uh, doctoral dissertation, which really sits at the heart of um, the, uh, the the published book. I, I did one of those things where um, I think it took me about a year or so to convert the dissertation into a book. And I spent a year kind of pulling the dissertation apart, um, thinking I was putting it together in a slightly different way. But when I put it back together, it turned out to be pretty much the same as uh, the dissertation version. So I probably could have saved myself a whole year of a, a load of pain and um, kind of anxiety had I just stuck with uh, what was initially examined by uh, Tom. But uh, Tom Greggs was a great examiner. Um, he examined my uh, dissertation along with uh, Mark McIntosh, um, who was, again, a really kind and generous um, examiner. Um, and Paul Nimmo was my uh, master's supervisor um, in Edinburgh. So um, uh, I learned a great deal from uh, Paul and, um, and, and the wisdom and kindness he has as a supervisor for his students. Um, so, yeah, hugely indebted to uh, Aberdeen theologians. Well, that's great. How did all that start for you? Um, just sort of the, the journey into studying academic theology and how, how did you meet Bart? How did you discover Bart uh, along that along the way? Well, I suppose I met Bart in, uh, in uh, Edinburgh. Um, so I did my undergraduate degree at New College in Edinburgh, uh, and that's a four-year program. And uh, across the four years of the undergraduate program, uh, Bart's pretty unavoidable, actually, or he was at the time. Um, so he came up in all sorts of places. Um, but it was really in a third-year honours course, which was devoted to, to Bart, um, that I really kind of got stuck into uh, the strange world of uh, Bart and Bart studies. And this was John McDowell's uh, course. And, you know, uh, John was just a brilliant teacher of Bart and he did, you know, what good lecturers should do. And he completely captivated us. He completely captivated me. And, you know, these were quite long sessions. These were sort of three hour sessions 
with a ton of reading. And he just made Bart so excited, so exciting and, and so, so important and so relevant. And I was doing that um, module alongside um, Marcella Arthouse reeds uh, module on liberation theology. So it was a curious and heady mix, actually, of um, these different ways of doing theology uh, that found kind of a lot of um, uh, mutuality and, and uh, mutual intensification, actually, reading these two um, ways of doing theology. Um, alongside each other, so um, uh, so yeah, it was it was in it was in Edinburgh. It was during um, my undergraduate studies, um, and it was specifically um, in that module on on Karl Barth, where um, we were reading you know a great deal of Barth and really getting stuck into his thinking. So what what takes you from uh, an, an interested undergraduate to I want to write a dissertation on? on Bart and why why prayer in Bart like what where did that question come up well I think actually that was also down to John McDowell John McDowell's got a lot to be responsible for actually um so another one of his courses that I took was on modern Christology um and I think that was the fourth year course so this was the final one um and one of the essay questions was something like um you know what's what is the role of Christology um or the role of Jesus Christ in the practice of prayer it, it was something along those lines and that was one of the few questions in the systematic theology modules that I was taking that made really explicit links to practice and to things that Christians actually did. And uh, I liked that. I found that was uh, quite interesting. Um, there was at the time, and I think less so now, a, a pretty um, sizable disciplinary divide between systematic theology and, and practical theology um, that really left prayer to the practical theologians and systematicians tended not to deal um, significantly or eloquently um, with um, practices such as prayer. Now, that's changed quite a lot, actually, since um, I was uh, an undergraduate. Um, but uh, there was this one question um, that really presented the relation between um, doctrine and practice, systematic theology and prayer in, in quite specific detail. And uh, that got me hooked uh, to think really in, in a much more um, precise way about how these two um, things um, occupy the same territory in, in Barth's theology. Um, and that's, I suppose, really what the book is trying to do. Um, it, it's a close text, textual analysis of what Barth said on prayer, but I think its, it's meta aim really is to think through, um, you know, what Mark McIntosh calls the integrity of theology and spirituality, that these two things go hand in hand. Mm. Um, and you find that explicitly in, in Barth's theology, quite unusually uh, for a modern theologian. Yeah. Um, but um, it's certainly um, that sort of integrity that I wanted to explore um, and, and think through in a little bit more detail. Oh, that's great. Uh, you mentioned before we hopped on though, kind of how the lay of the land of Barth's scholarship has changed. Since you've written this, you said that it's gotten a bit more interesting. I want I wanted to know what did you mean by that? What how is it how what was it like then and what, what's it like now? What are the things that are exciting you? I think there's some really, really exciting um Bart stuff going on at the moment. Um and, and I think um there was some exciting stuff going on at the at, at my time when I was doing my doctorate and writing the book. Um but 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 by and large, the um you know Bart studies was 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 near enough completely dominated by the big Trinity election debate. Mm. Um, and it was almost um, beginning to 
uh, create the conditions where every dissertation, every chapter, every article that dealt with Barr had to say something about the Trinity election debate. And I just found that whole thing completely uninteresting and managed, uh, I think, quite successfully to completely and utterly avoid it within my dissertation. And I think it was probably one of the only uh, dissertations at the time that that I don't think actually mentioned election at all. You know, I had some things to say about the Trinity, but nothing about this uh, specific uh, debate. Um, so um, I think that's probably um, some of the hegemony there has, has begun to release, I think, from uh, the grip of, of Bart studies, which allows Bart to be read on a, on a slight, slightly different way, really. Um, and the hermeneutical lens gets broadened and the imagination gets liberated really to do some some highly creative and interesting uh, works uh, with Bart. Um, so I, I think that's probably one of the ways uh, that Bart studies has shifted uh, a little bit um, from, from when I was doing my dissertation. The other thing I think is that systematic theologians are getting more and more interested in, in practice. Um, and um, I think now, you know, this gap that um, I identified in um, my dissertation um, between uh, systematic theology and, and more practical forms of theology, I think is beginning to soften. Um, mm. And uh, those disciplinary divides are, are becoming a, a little bit more integrated. Um, so perhaps that's another way um, in which, um, you know, things have shifted a little bit um, since, um, since undertaking my doctoral work. That's great. Wow. Well, let's go ahead and hop into the book. The book is Karl Barth on prayer. And you go through, I guess, various ways that prayer is seen as sort of uh, supplication, praise, thanksgiving, like all, all these sorts of different um, facets of prayer and kind of how Bart speaks to all of them. Um, you start off the book, though, saying that, I guess, when it comes to prayer, foremost in Bart's mind is petition. Um and I'm wondering what what is it that leads him to this conclusion, and I guess how does it fit into the rest of his uh, theological thinking? Mm. So um, when you so so the more you get into Bart, the the more you you find prayer turning up in all sorts of places, um, and that's that was part of the aim of the book uh, to trace the story of prayer as it unfolds uh, across Bart's writings and specifically. Um, in the church dogmatics. And um, alongside the way that Bart threads prayer through his theological imagination, there are some specific sections in the church dogmatics where he deals with prayer um, as, a, as a kind of topic. Um, and I'm thinking um, of the section in 3.3, 3, uh, so in Bart's Doctrine of Providence, and then also in um, CD four, so CD three four, so in his Ethics of uh, Creation, and in both of those um, areas, Bart goes pretty strongly for um, a full blown theology of petitionary prayer, um, and that's the the central way in which Bart imagines what prayer is. And there are all sorts of different reasons <coughs> uh, for that. Um, but there are other ways in which Bart imagines prayer. Um, and I was doing my doctoral work, not in Edinburgh, but in Cambridge, um, and I was supervised by uh, David Ford. Um, and at the time, Sarah Coakley was in the faculty working on her systematic uh, theology. Um, and for those familiar with Coakley's work, will we'll, um, recognise 
that um, Coakley's theorization of prayer takes on a slightly different spin and it um, focuses a little bit more on the more contemplative dimensions of prayer. Mm. And one of the aims in the book really was to, to wonder what Bart did with contemplative prayer. And it turns out Bart didn't really have much to say about contemplative prayer. And I kind of sense that this was um, a bit of a weak link in, in Bart's theorization. Um, so uh, part of my aim in the book was to think, you know, what would a Bartian form of contemplative prayer look like um, that was true to kind of his theological sensibility, true to his spirituality, if you can talk in those terms. Um, and um, I've, I found um, in his theology um, his, his, his amazingly interesting theology of the Sabbath. Um, and in the Sabbath, I think you can develop a theology of contemplative prayer that's really true to Bart's form um, and um, does, um, does some interesting work in kind of um, making available a different side to Bart, um, a more receptive side to Bart, to balance the more kind of active trajectories in his um, ethics and in his account of the Christian life. Um, so uh, the Sabbath, you know, is 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 like prayer actually, in the sense of being one of those um, areas of the church dogmatics that I consider to be really, really important. You know, it's, it begins his uh, doctrine of creation, it begins his ethics of creation, um, but it's it was another area that had been under researched and under examined by uh, Bart scholars. So, but alongside this kind of contemplative strand, um, Bart puts his, his, his stated eggs in the basket of petitionary prayer. Um, and I can just say a couple of reasons um, why Bart goes down quite strongly uh, this petitionary um, route. Um, and it emerges fairly quickly um, as the key form of prayer. He says in the Ethics of Creation um, that prayer is the kind of underlying note and basis of all human activity. So that's a quote from um, the uh, um, from one of the sections in the doctrine of creation, and, and by that, you know, Bart's kind of saying, you know, prayer isn't so much a thing that we do, but the thing through which we do all things. So he's wanting to see prayer as expansive as possible, as as more than just uh, a, a, a kind of practice that comes and goes, um, but a habit in which um, uh, you know you you live and move and have your being. Um, but alongside this overarching you know, narrative of, of, of prayer as that which uh, we do all things through is, is this uh, intensification of prayer as petition um, in its most complete form. Mm. So he does this, I think, as part of his ongoing quarrel with Schleimacher. Um, and he says elsewhere in the dogmatics that Schleimacher reduces prayer to this form of self-help um, and therefore to some form of kind of therapeutic monologue, a sort of self-conversation. Now, Bart doesn't actually cite Schleiermacher's writings on prayer at this point. And, and Schleiermacher is, if you, if you go to um, Schleiermacher's writings, a lot more Christologically disciplined in ways that I think Bart would quite like um, in his theory of prayer than, than Bart actually lets on. Um, but I think part of Bart's prioritization of prayer is to respond to Schleimacher. Uh, Schleimacher, um, he thinks, produces a theology of prayer as self-help. So, so Bart says, nah, you know, prayer is divine help. Prayer is petitionary. 
Um, so I think that's one strand of his prioritization. Another one has to do with kind of the eschatology of prayer, which is another big feature in Barth's writing. Um, so if prayer has some soteriological significance, um, then um, for Barth, there's a certain convenience in seeing petition as sort of the counter movement to pride. Um, so it counters and reorders pride and replaces self-help with divine help in that sense. Um, and you can see why this side of Barth's quite appealing to um, all those post-liberal theologians who see the liturgy as the solution to everything. Um, and as an Anglican theologian, you only need to hop onto Anglican Twitter for a moment to see that um, if you get the liturgy right, then everything else will follow. Um, and there is that sort of tendency in Barth's writing, at least, as he uses his theology of prayer as the kind of counter movement to the um, uh, to the um, to the sins of pride. You could see the active dimensions of sin, sorry, active dimensions of um, his theology of prayer as as a counter movement to to sloth, you know, to the downward drag. Um, that, um, uh, uh, that, that, that prevents people from um, living true life for Bart. But the big reason um, is, as ever for Bart, is, is Christological, you know, and there's no surprise there. One of uh, the really compelling bits of Bart's theology is, of prayer is his turn to Christology at, at every opportunity. Um, and it's this Christological commitment that infor informs his decision to prioritise petitionary prayer in the way he does. So there's this line, you know, Bart says, this man prayed. Um, and how did Christ pray? He, he prayed a string of petitions, the Lord's Prayer. Um, and if you were to pinpoint, you know, um, for Bart, you know, why, why petitionary prayer? You know, I, I'm sure Bart would say it's, it's what Jesus taught, you know, mm -hmm. Lord, teach us how to pray, uh, pray then like this. Um, that's the logic of um, Bart's uh, thinking here. Now, Bart's Christology of prayer is, is a lot more complex and interesting than um, uh, this, um, this, this image of Christ as uh, the teacher of prayer. Um, there's some other kind of dimensions to it. But in terms of a prioritization of petition, uh, I suspect, you know, it's, it's Christ here that's really kind of uh, leading Bart in his thinking. Mm -hmm. that's, that's awesome. An another facet of prayer for Bart that you write about is invocation. And uh, its relation to to ethics, and you you also say that invocation is correspondence. Um, mm. I, I was wondering if you could sort of draw that out a little bit. Um, a, what what does Bart mean by invocation in general, and how does it relate to ethics, and uh, how is it correspondence? Okay, um, that's a that's a really good question, and very much at the heart of uh, Bart's um, thinking here, and. Uh, at the uh, the kind of central argument of the the, the last bit of um, the book, um, where I speak of um, a, a shift in Bart's thinking. Now, um, you know, Bart scholars love these shifts in Bart's yeah. thinking. Oh, so um, Bonhoeffer as well. <laughs> right. Okay. It's, 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 it's every interview. Something. Is this yeah, a shift exactly. or no? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I, I probably make too much of this shift in the book, um, but I claim this as a really big turn in Bart's theory of prayer, um, where he shifts from thinking exclusively of prayer in terms of kind of petitionary prayer to introducing this, this idea of invocation. 
Um, and this shift can be pinpointed uh, quite specifically uh, to the summer, I think, of 1958, if I've got the dates right. And this is um, when Bart had tested out some of the material that would be featured in the Ethics of Reconciliation. So we're talking you know, right at the end of Bart's life here. Um, in the lectures that he delivered right before his retirement um, is paragraph 74 for the super keen amongst us. And this was the intended first section, the first paragraph of the reconciliation ethics, you know, and then comes baptism. Um, and then uh, uh, finally, uh, the Eucharist and in between baptism and Eucharist was to be this line by line interpretation. Uh, of the petitions of the uh, Lord's Prayer. Now, old age prevented Bart from realising this plan. Uh, he, as we know, published uh, the baptism as a fragment, which was extracted from uh, its, its wider literary context of the ethics of reconciliation. Um, but it fell to his research assistant, Eberhard Jungel, um, to prepare uh, what had been delivered um, in, in lecture form for publication. And this is the Christian Life uh, volume. Um, uh, that's um, containing some of this material that Bart himself didn't prepare for publication, um, but um, has, was, was prepared by um, Jungel. And this includes paragraph 74 and just the first two petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Um, now, for what it's worth, I think this is Bart at his best in, in this um, volume. Um, it's a really exhilarating read. Um, it feels a lot more incomplete and fragmentary and rough around the edges than some of the more kind of polished portions of the church dogmatics. And I like that it has that sort of different uh, tone. And that's really um, appropriate and important, I think, for writing uh, on, uh, on a topic such as prayer. Um, I also like that you know, the Lord's Prayer is, is almost too much for Bart to get his head around. Um, and he, he kind of gives up, you know, <laughs> he doesn't attempt to finish. Um, and, and think also of the, the sheer size of what it would have been like had he finished. So he, he covers two petitions and gets to around 400 pages in the German. Um, but, you know, follow that through and, you know, you, you end up with something which would have been quite unrivaled, I think, in the Christian tradition. Uh, I can't think of a treatment of the Lord's Prayer of, of that scope. Um, and of um, that significance. It's really big stuff. It's really far ranging. Um, but um, invocation. So, uh, you know, that's a very long winded way of saying that at the end of the volume that Jungel prepared is uh, an alternative uh, first draft of the um, introductory paragraph to um, the, the Christian life, to the ethics of reconciliation. And um, in that first draft, and this was the draft that Bart actually you know, delivered in lecture form, um, the leading theme isn't invocation, but is faithfulness. But sometime over the summer, Bart changes his mind in between delivering the lecture and revising the lecture for publication, switching from faithfulness as the overarching um, concept for his most mature articulations of the Christian life to this theme of invocation. And um, uh, that's, I think, a really surprising move um, and a really generative move. move. Um, and he sees invocation <clears throat> as almost this integrative concept that integra integrates different forms of prayer. So he says, within invocation, within the calling upon God um, by name, in the name of Jesus, um, is uh, petition 
is glorification, is gratitude, um, is all the marks of the Christian life that um, are important to Bart. Um, but beyond that, it kind of integrates um, everything. All things are uh, kind of uh, incorporated um, into this upward movement, um, this calling upon uh, the name of God, which is, you know, Bart says an epiclesis, you know, it's, there's, it's a pneumatological concept. Um, and there's this pneumatology that floods into Bart's theology of invocation that balances, you know, maybe the, the more kind of Christologically driven and orientated um, theorization of petitionary prayer that had occurred earlier on in the church dogmatics and the um, doctrine of creation. So anyway, this basically creates the need for Bart to, to rewrite that introductory section. Um, but um, it also presents an opportunity for um, when reading, for example, Bart's doctrine of baptism, to read it through that through through that lens of invocation, yeah. um, through the lens of prayer. And that, I think, and I go on to explain this a little bit more in the book, um, that, that that really changes quite significantly the, the way some of those big contested issues around uh, Bart's doctrine of baptism could be um, approached and understood. Um, so, so that's the kind of big shift. And, you know, I'm not alone. Jungo, in the, in the preface to that volume, also likens it to, um, you know, the, the big changes in Bart's theology, um, for example, between the two uh, editions of the Romans commentary. Um, and I think that says something about the significance of, of what's going on in these fragments, in these ethics of reconciliation. Um, you know, no, turn, no stone should be left unturned um, when kind of um, thinking about the implications and the consequences of, of this sort of shift. Yeah. That's great. Um, one of my favorite bits from the book, um, I guess, I mean, it's just a fascinating concept in general as well. It's just the, the idea of human agency and the sovereignty of God when it comes to mm -hmm. prayer. Um, God is, is sovereign. Okay, uh, but I pray and something happens. <laughs> how does that work together? Um, for Bart, I, I guess, how does all that work together? Like with prayer, with providence, God's sovereignty, human agency, how do those things go together? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the big questions that you find in any theology of prayer. Right. Um, and um, Bart's got his own sort of take on these issues. Um, I think the first thing probably to say is that for Bart, prayer is a really complex thing. Okay, so um, whatever else prayer is, it's it's a it's a human work. It's a work of uh, human agency. And, and Bart here is, um, you know, following Calvin. Calvin's one of Bart's main kind of uh, uh, dialogue partners in his theology of prayer. You know, in the way that Calvin speaks of um, prayer as the chief exercise. Um, in, in the Christian life. That's, that's the line that Bart really takes here. So, so Bart's wanting to affirm the, the full reality of um, the, the human nature of, of prayer. Um, and that's quite significant actually within the, the scope of Bart studies as, uh, as it was when I was writing the book. Um, because at that time, Bart scholarship was still wrestling with the question of whether Bart has any genuine space for human agency, given his overwhelmingly kind of theocentric impulses which uh, kind of flow through the church dogmatics. Um, and I think if you come at Bart's, Bart via his writings on prayer, 
um, then that question probably wouldn't have taken hold over Bart scholarship in the way that it did. Um, and another um, Bart scholar um, who spent significant time in, in Aberdeen, John Webster, you know, has 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 done a, a really excellent job um, of, of of articulating the, the way um, Bart um, uses prayer as as a way of speaking of um, the full human reality of um, or, or using prayer to speak of um, the, the the full um, uh, significance of of humanity. Um, and ethics uh, within uh, Bart's theological imagination. So what I mean by prayer being a really complex thing is that whatever prayer is, it's a human activity, um, but it's also um, fully divine. Um, in fact, you know, prayer for Bart is primarily a divine act. Um, and this is when uh, thinking of contemplative prayer in terms of Sabbath becomes um important um, because the Sabbath, as far as I understand it, is is, is all about the priority of, of divine agency. Um, and um, that goes for Bart's theology of prayer. Um, prayer is fully human. It's the thing through which we do all things, um, but it's also fully divine. Um, when we pray for Bart, we um, pray again, you know, this is one of Calvin's uh, great lines. We pray, as it were, by his mouth by Christ's mouth. We participate in the prayer of the praying son to which humanity responds and as such corresponds to what's already going on in the life of God. Um, so, uh, so it's that kind of complexity that feeds into um, Bart's um, particular response to this question of whether God answers prayer. And for all Bart wrote on prayer, um, and I found this really interesting and important. Um, he doesn't really say much about whether or not God answers prayer. Um, mm. That's not really Bart's interest. He's, he's not really fussed about that sort of thing. Um, he says at one point that if Jesus Christ is really the one who's really praying, then of course prayers are answered. It would make no sense to think otherwise. Um, how can God not answer God is this sort of line. <laughs> um, but I think... The other reason why the question around the efficacy of prayer, which you know often features in theologies and theorizations of prayer, um, doesn't matter all that much for Bart, is that you know Bart's working within a concept of divine and human agency um, that uh, sees them as totally and completely compatible. You know, there's no incompatibility between divine and human agency. These aren't mutually exclusive kind of competing for the same sort of space, cancelling each other out uh, as one vies for more of a share of the power. You know, those logics don't really work for Bart. So it makes complete sense for Bart to speak of prayer as, as fully human and, and fully divine um, in a way that can be genuinely uh, both. So in other words, he just wasn't interested in giving an account of whether or how God answers prayer. Um, and I found that really refreshing. Um, as those questions, you know, as the answers to those questions, I don't ever find fully satisfying anyway, intellectually or otherwise. Um, you know, you, you get this sense with Bart that it's 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 a mystery and we just yeah. don't know. It kind of reach the limits of what can be said. You know, at one point Bart says, you know, when we pray, we stumble into the innermost center of the covenant between God and humanity. You know, so when we're when we're talking about prayer. Um, we're, we're talking about a pretty strange and odd thing.
So for Bar, it's 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 wrong to think that God doesn't answer prayer, and it's equally wrong to suppose that God answers prayer in a way that compromises either God's sovereignty or uh, human freedom. But Bar doesn't really present a third option, as it were, that resolves that paradox uh, of you know what could be called uh, like God's changeable immutability. Um, there's no neat resolution to that. He simply affirms the paradox, and you know he says you know. That we need to be astonished by it. Um, this is uh, a mystery as a gift to be received rather than a problem to be solved. And, you know, Bart does this quite a few times um, with some of the big ticket items. He does it with universal salvation, I think, although um, I'll leave it for you to tell me about that. Um, he does that with the problem of evil. And these are they're just some things that we don't know. And, and Bart's OK and comfortable in recognising, you know, the limits of what can and cannot be said of God. You know, Rowan Williams has got this article um, and he speaks of prayer as a form of theological honesty. Um, and I think uh, that works for Bart quite nicely, too. Um, you know, he, um, he, 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 he kind of has these sections on prayer, um, which um, are a way, really, of, of, of Bart acknowledging his, his honesty, um, of knowing where the line is, of, of knowing where the limits are. And, and being comfortable of working within those um, limitations. So Bart doesn't really, in my mind, um, offer much of a contribution to some of those debates, other than kind of shifting them along, along a bit, really, to, to what really matters, um, which is, uh, I suppose, a different way of seeing the point of prayer and a different way of seeing the role of the doctrine of providence in the Christian life. Um, as, um, as, as kind of beyond some of those uh, assumptions that are drawn into questions around the relationship between divine human, hu uh, uh, divine freedom and, um, sorry, human freedom and divine sovereignty. So in your book, uh, when I open it up and I, I had this experience when I first opened it, you have um, the table of contents has a bunch of uh, concepts around prayer that seemed pretty, um, standard for me i guess like the idea of petition invocation contemplation uh, pneumatology I'm like, oh i know what this is going to be about um but chapter six the last chapter before the conclusion is called revolt and i mm. thought oh th this is a different <laughs> interesting uh concept that I, I haven't thought of and haven't read about um when it comes to prayer um so what does bart mean by understanding prayer as a revolt and I guess what is prayer revolting against and uh, mm -hmm. what effect does it have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the really juicy bit, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, earlier when I said the church in the church automatic, my favorite bit, you know, favorite sections of this, uh, the sections in the Christian life. Um, and, you know, this is when prayer gets really political for Bart. Um, and those pages of the Christian life are shot through with, with politics. Um, and, um, you know, I, I suppose prayer was always pretty political for Bart. You know, the, the first sermon series that Bart prayed when he got to Saffernville um, was, was on the Lord's Prayer. Um, and, you know, this is the time when he's, you know, developing his reputation as, um, you know, the red pastor. And he gets booted out of Germany um, once he's got his teaching position um, for, for starting his lectures in prayer. So, you know, prayer's always had this kind of political edginess. 
Um, but it's really in those fragmentary explorations of the Lord's Prayer and the Christian life in the Ethics of Reconciliation volume um, where this uh, takes off. And um, it's, it's through this, this category of revolt um, that Bart uh, develops um, uh, that uh, Bart is at his most politically charged, I think, when it comes to um, uh, prayer. And I interpret this as a bit of a critique against um, the piety of prayer as a sort of nice, you know, cosy, devotional act that you might do on, on your knees with hands clasped that's going to make you feel good and um, is going to, um, uh, you know, um, bring you some form of uh, kind of uh, uh, feelings of, 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 of piety or whatever. And that's just not Bart. Um, there's, there's this great line that I haven't actually managed to find anywhere um, in Bart's writings, but is often cited. It's one of those ones that you can get printed on, on a T-shirt or a mug or a hat or a bookmark or something um, that says prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Um, and that gets something at the, of the political nature of prayer. And you'd expect a line like that to feature somewhere in the Christian life volume because it's, it's very much on that theme. So, so prayer for Bart, you know, doesn't, as it were, just lead to political action, um, although it might do that, but the very um, practice of prayer is itself political. It's, it's, it's gritty. It's about getting hands dirty and kind of hard graft of actively making this world a better place for all. Um, that's really at the heart of what Bart means by prayer in these, um, in these sections. Um, but that means also that prayer is something that we do with our, with our bodies. You know, it's, it's an embodied practice. And I, I like to think that Bart is here through this category of revolt, returning to that ancient posture of prayer uh, the Orans, um, you know, which is the, um, uh, if you can think of all of those, um, you know, sketchings of prayer on the catacombs in Rome of, of people praying not on their hands and knees, um, not on their knees with their hands clasped, but standing up, um, eyes open, uh, attentive to the injustices in the world. Um, that's the position of the Orans. And a more, you know, literal translation of um, the the word um, revolt, um, which um, uh, is translated as revolt, but is offstand in German, you know, could be upstanding. Um, so here, you know, Bart doesn't imagine the prayer piously on their knees, but standing up, um, you know, in in a bodily way against the disorder of the world. So if we're to do, you know, theology with uh, the Bible in one hand uh, and the newspaper in the other. These two come together, I think, uh, for Bart, you know, in, in, in the practice of prayer. And what are we revolting against? Well, in, in Bart's term, it's, it's the disorderliness of the lordless powers. And, you know, there's this great rhetorical flourish in the ethics of um, creation where Bart talks about the lordless powers. And, you know, Bart's often critiqued for a level of abstraction in the Christian life, not wanting to go those case studies uh, that Hauvas, for example, so famously wanted from Bart. But in the church, in, in the Christian life, he's actually overly descriptive. Um, 
and he gives uh, language and vocabulary to all sorts of these lordless powers, as he says, that he sees are operating in the world around him. So he looks around and just sees all of these lordless powers from the transportation system that promises freedom, but just uh, keeps us all stuck in traffic jams to the fashion industry, to technology, um, even to Pele and the you know, the hype around the World Cup. These are all lordless powers here. And there's a real richness of language. Um, you know, this is an exercise in naming things and calling things out. And to all this disorder is, is the order that comes from pep, from prayer. And there's a kind of classic Augustinian Thomistic idea that Bart's working with there, that prayer is about the transformation of desire um, as, as well as the transformation of the world but it takes this active form in, in revolting against all that disorders in the world. Um, and I suppose another way of framing that is anything that gets in the way of flourishing, anything that gets in the way of people feeling fully alive, anything that dehumanizes. These are things that a prayer calls us to confront, um, to attack. And there is almost this militaristic language that you find in Romans resurfacing in the Christian life sections um, to engage in battle. You know, Bart uses this language of battle um, and the world is, you know, the world for Calvin was a theater of God's glory for, for Bart. It's a battleground against, uh, you know, the forces of uh, good and the forces of uh, disorder, the disorderliness of uh, the lordless powers. Mm. But there is a bit of a kick there actually. Um, and, you know, I said earlier on that they're sides of Bart that remain very um, attractive to the post-liberal project of seeing the liturgy and practice as the solution to everything. Um, but it doesn't really occur ever to Bart that prayer might not always be the solution to the world's problems, but, but part of those problems. Um, and prayer isn't immune from its own disorder and malformations. And you only need to read Lauren Winner's uh, you know, amazingly interesting book to see that prayer comes with its own dangers. Um, and I suppose that doesn't really occur to Bart, you know, so amongst all of those lordless powers, <clears throat> he doesn't really mention much to do with church life or ecclesial practices. And I wonder whether, had I had time, you know, what, what if I was writing the book again, I think I'd want to pursue that critique a little bit further to think through how Bart might respond to you know, someone like Lauren Winner, who's suggesting that prayer might not be the solution to the world's problems, but part of the problems. Um, and, you know, whether there is within Bart maybe um, a way that Bart's overly trapped within a liturgical optimism, um, that there is this emphatic turn to ecclesial practices in the Christian life, baptism, Lord's Prayer, Eucharist, um, and whether, you know, there needs to be a little bit more of the sort of critique that you get earlier on in Bart um, with his um, stuff on religion, for example, um, uh, whether his critique of religion needs to feature a little bit more strongly um, in, in these sections on the Lordless Powers um, and his writings on prayer. So I suppose that's a little bit of an indication of, 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 of where I might where I might go in the future and what I might have done differently in the book. Um, and it, you know, it, it does, um, you know, um, it, 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 it does zoom in on some of those questions around 
um, you know, what, what prayer is really doing uh, mm. in the Christian life. That's great. So I have two more quick ones for you, and then, then I'll let you go. So as someone who's spent years writing a book on prayer, I'm always interested in seeing people, um, hearing from people who focus so intensely on some sort of um, Christian uh, aspect of Christian faith, the Christian life, and then hearing how that intense focus has changed them. So you, I mean, prayer is, is a practice that we do. You spent, you spent like three, what, three years writing a book on prayer. Um, well, what was that process like? And, and do you think that you, I guess, came out of it differently, like in your own personal practice after writing this book? Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, the book also generated some other books on prayer. So mm. prayer hasn't really kind of, I haven't stopped with prayer uh, <laughs> just just yet. But even yeah. after all those years, I, I remain, you know, completely and firmly unpious. You know, I've, I've never been very good at praying. Um, and the books haven't really helped me um, <laughs> to pray uh, any better. And if anything, I suppose it's helped me to be comfortable with that. You know, yeah. one of one of the you know the main texts that Bart deals with, especially in um, the Ethics of Reconciliation, is is Romans eight. You know, yeah. and 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 Paul's idea that we cannot pray as we ought. And I'm the sort of person who you know takes that very much uh, to heart um, that we cannot pray as we ought. And you know that's that's a good thing um yeah. and it certainly fits within Bart's theology of prayer to say that prayer is something of course that's fully human but more complex than that bigger than that it's about being caught up in something bigger than the sum of your own prayer and I find that really compelling um and uh yeah I suppose I don't think I'm any better a prayer <laughs> after than before but I wonder whether if by prayer, what we're really talking about here is a practice of receptivity um, to that which is beyond myself, then I'd, I'd like to think at least that writing about prayer has helped with that. You know, Bart's got this great line in um, evangelical theology when he's talking about prayer as, as letting the light in, you know, by keeping, you know, he says the skylight open. And he's talking, of course, about the revelatory light that shines uh, from above. But it's also, I think, prayers about being receptive to those on the edges of your own thinking and those who have come to see the world, understand God and pray to God in, in different ways. And, um, you know, I think um, prayer might help with that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and writing on prayer might help as this practice of uh, receptivity to that sort of attention. And, you know, by listening to those on the edges and from those who think very differently to me, you know, you might learn to listen to God with a little bit more wisdom and a little bit more, a little bit less clumsiness. Um, so as a practice of receptivity, both to God and to the other and to other ways of thinking, then, then yeah, maybe, you know, I, I have been helped along a little bit. That's great. Okay. The last one is just more of a fun one. It's really a way to just get some book recommendations. Um, so it's, it's the a good old game of desert Island. Um, so the idea ah, is right, you're, okay. you're trapped on a desert Island and you're yep. allowed to bring one book by Bart and one book about Bart. So a primary and a secondary source, uh, which two books would you take with you and why? And you can't say the whole doc church dogmatics, but if it's in a volume, you can, <laughs> you can take like, you know, two, two, two or something like that, but not, not the whole shelf. Okay. 
All right, fair, fair. I think that's fair enough, really, with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, I, I'd look beyond the church dogmatics, and I think it would probably be evangelical theology. Um, yeah. And um, there you've got a mature bar. You've got a different, again, a different sort of tonality. Um, you've got a different, you know, Bart's mellowed into a different way of talking about God and thinking about God. And I'm particularly interested in the kind of affective texture that comes through um, in evangelical theology. You know, you know, people think that Bart might not have much to say about the category of experience, but I think, you know, you only need to look to evangelical theology to, to see quite an articulate and eloquent account of, you know, what, what it feels like to do Christian theology. Um, and, you know, in the more kind of chilled out phase of Bart's life, um, you know, I, I think there's there's a lot of wisdom there. And it's, um, it's, it's a good book to spend time with and to read uh, slowly. Um, secondary source. Well, I think I'm going to cheat a little bit um, by suggesting not a secondary source in the usual kind of um, Bart studies sort of way, um, but someone who is very influenced and informed by um, Bart and and that's uh, Thomas Merton and um, Rowan Williams you know he's got this great essay on Merton and Bart who you know died on the same day and um, in uh, Rowan's essay he, he speaks about um, you know the idea of um, finding uh, Bart and Merton um, in heaven's waiting room and just imagining what that conversation might be like. And I, I find the Merton Bart, especially on the issue of prayer conversation, you know, really fascinating. You know, think of how, how much energy Bart spends just trying to write himself out of the church dogmatics in this relentless reach to some sort of fictional objectivity. And think how Merton spends so much energy trying to write himself into his writings uh, so that you never quite know which Merton will turn up whenever you uh, read um, whatever book from Thomas Merton. And I, I've always felt that Bart had more to learn from Merton than Merton had to learn from Bart. Um, not necessarily about what it means to speak of God, but maybe what it means to speak of the self as loved by God. Yeah. And um, that sort of conversation that occurs in heaven, we can imagine, um, would be quite an interesting one to think through uh, on a desert island uh, with e the evangelical theology of, um, of Bart and, and some of Merton's writings. That's perfect. What a way to end. Well, Dr. Coxworth, thank you so much just for taking the time. Um, again, for the listeners, the book is Carl Bart on Prayer. It's by T it's published by TNT Clark uh, by Ashley Coxworth. Um, but yeah, this has been great. As I, I told you before we started, I mean, it's it's been a really just helpful book to me personally, just to to be thinking about a lot more about that receptivity um, aspect of, of prayer. Um, yeah, it, it's a great resource, and thank you for writing it. Well, but thanks for engaging with it and um, and for um, for today. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carl Bart Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review in your podcast app. It will help others find the show. And if you have any feedback or questions, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. The handle is at Bart Podcast. That's all for me now. I'm excited to keep learning with you all. And I appreciate you listening. See you next time.